Today, guys, we're getting back into real estate investing in this journey that I'm on, that I'm taking you through as well. We're gonna be talking about two different techniques for investing, the Burr method and the traditional method of investing. So stay tuned to the end and I'll talk all about it. Okay guys, so today we're talking about two different real estate investing techniques. Now there's obviously other techniques out there and these aren't necessarily techniques that are new. They're not new that, that I'm coming up with. They're actually stuff that I've been reading about and studying and figuring out what the best method is gonna be for me and my family when we start our investing venture here with real estate. So these two methods are the Burr and the traditional method. So if you've not heard of Burr before, um, you'll probably be familiar with a lot of the concepts on it, uh, and we'll get to that one last. Uh, but David Green uh, out of Bigger Pockets, he's also a real estate agent, but a massive real estate investor throughout the United States. And you hear about him all the time. He's written multiple books. He's the one that coined the Burr method uh, and basically put it on paper so that we can all understand it in layman's terms as well. But we'll talk first about the traditional method because that's probably the method that most people are most familiar with. And then we'll start contrasting to what the Burr method looks like as well on there. So your traditional real estate investing method that you're looking at, you're looking at just being that investor that's going to be saving up anywhere from 20 to 30, 40% to put down. You're going to get an investment type loan on that piece of property and you're going to own that property outright for a long period of time uh, where you're going to be looking for cash flow to come back on that. Now, this is the most common and probably the easiest for most folks to get into because you're not having to save up a ton of money in the sense of having to buy it all outright with cash but you are still having to go out there and present that 20 to 25%. Traditionally, it's usually about 25%. Sometimes it's 20% if you can get a conventional investment loan, but you're still going out there and you're fronting that cash out there as well for that. And when you're doing that, you're putting 20% down. So we'll say like on a $400,000 home, you're putting $80,000 down on that home. And then the rest of that's gonna be rolled into the loan. And I'm I'm not adding in all the different additional costs, like closing costs, any you know uh, inspections, any of that stuff into it. This is really just 100% on what the uh, what the the basics, the big chunks of the money are on this. So you can kind of understand where I'm coming from on these as well. Now, most people, when they get into real invest real estate investment, are going to do just that. They're going to get into that traditional method of real estate investing. Now, any kind of investing, any kind of uh, money venture where you're actually putting money down to earn money on that is always gonna be a risk. I mean, it's a risk in the everyday life that we do with going to work. Uh, if you were to lose your job, you would then lose your ability to probably get money from that job. Uh, unless you had some kind of uh, short-term or long-term insurance that's on that, but that's still even very finite as well. So there's risk in everything we do. And, and traditional, the traditional way of doing real estate investing, in my opinion, it starts off not feeling as risky, but the more you get into that, the more risky it could get. Uh, just because you've got all your capital basically tied up directly into that investment engine. And as you start to get cash flow coming in, it's all great until it's not, um, i.e. vacancies or, uh, you know, God forbid, another t pandemic type event where our wonderful government that comes in to save the day decides that they're going to come in and say, okay, tenants, you don't have to pay rent. There's a rent moratorium out, so you don't have to pay rent because we know you're going through hardships. Oh, but by the way, 
homeowners, real estate investors, you're still paying your mortgage on there because the mortgage company still wants their money on it. So now you're not getting cash flow coming in when you've got somebody living in this home. So you're not having anything to substitute or subsidize on what's going on with the mortgage itself that's coming through. So, and it became very risky for quite a few folks that I know that had properties during the COVID timeframe that actually ended up having to uh, declare bankruptcy, had to sell those properties just to get out from under them because they were going to go foreclosure on them because their tenants were living in them. They didn't have the additional cash to be able to, to have that emergency fund in there to pay for that time to kind of get them past that. And they ended up having to get rid of those properties. So the good thing about traditional is, and this is a pro on it, is that you can basically get into a traditional style investing as quicker than you can most other styles. So you don't, like I was saying before, you're not having to save up $400,000, you're having to save up $80,000 to basically get into that investment style on there as well. So that's something that lots of folks look at. And there's other ways to actually get into a traditional style investment that could get you in to pay a lot less. You could house hack on there as well. I've got clients that have done that too, uh, where basically they're buying that residence as their primary residency. Um, they're getting a, a primary residency interest rate on it, a primary residency loan on there. So not paying any more interest rates or you know, not having to pay anything more down to. They can do as little as 3% down at their VA. They can do no down on that. And then they're going to live in that place for two years. And what they're going to do is, is rent those additional bedrooms out to help pay their mortgage down. Lots of folks do that for house hack at the end of the two years. They then move out of that home and go do the same thing with another home and they turn that other home into a uh, investment or a rental at that point. Another That's another way to use that traditional style. Now, if we look at the traditional style, the chances are you're gonna be able to invest as quickly as you can. You might be able to do one, maybe two homes a year, depending on what your income level is and your ability to save that type of money, what kind of cash flow you got coming into it. You're gonna get into homes a lot quicker, but it's gonna be a slow, steady incline on that graduated scale as you continue to get more and more properties. Now, the Burr method is different, and this is something that I wasn't really understanding and didn't know that I didn't understand this until I actually started reading David Green's book, uh, Burr, which is a great book. If you haven't read that yet, I absolutely recommend it. It is kind of long, but it's very detailed and it'll walk you through all these steps in much more detail than what I'm about to provide them to you now. And he has a great uh, analogy uh, and it's, it's in the first hundred pages. In fact, I want to say it's around pages 30 or 60 in there, um, but where he basically does a compare and contrast between traditional method and a Burr method. And I'm going to give you a little bit of a snapshot of that right now. But the Burr method, this is what it stands for. B for buy, and then it's all R's after that. So buy, renovate, rent, refi, and repeat on there. That's what Burr stands for. So buy, renovate, rent, refi, and repeat. So what does that mean? So when they're buying the property, it's not in that traditional sense. They're not getting a loan on it to purchase property. Now there are different ways you can be creative and do a Burr method that's that's not going to necessarily be the, the the most preferred way that's going to give you the most bang for your buck. There are folks that go out there, they will get a loan, they will do a renovation off that loan, go through that process, then refi. The power of the burr and the hardest thing to do for that first purchase is having the money to buy it all in cash up front from the beginning. Now, 
I know that's that's a daunting task to get into now, and you're going to have to, more than likely if you're like me, you're going to be saving your butt off, you're going to be doing everything you can to put that money aside so that you can pay cash for that property. That is not an easy thing to do, but the hardest thing you're going to do is do that first save up process on there, and it might take a year or two years longer than it would have if you had done a traditional investment model. However, it, the power of this is going to come, and you're going to see it here in a minute. So you save up the money to buy a property. This is a property that you're gonna pay cash for. Now, when you can pay cash for a property, you're out there looking for a property that nobody's gonna be able to sell in the traditional market. You're looking to help solve those problems for that seller that's out there that's got this rundown property, they can't afford to take care of it, they need to get out of it, and you're looking for that win-win situation on both sides. Now, it's a win for the seller because they get out of a property that they would have no money to put into to fix up to the condition it needs to be to sell on a traditional market. You're looking for a property that more than likely a lender is not gonna put a loan on at all as well. So it's gonna be a heavy rehab, a heavy renovation on that property. When you find this property, you're doing all your numbers to make sure that your purchase, your renovation, everything is gonna set in place. So you're setting yourself up for a win on your side also. So that way you've got the ability to pull this money back out. And we'll get to that here in a minute. And, and I can explain it more if you're kind of confused on this. You wanna give me a call, I can definitely go through this more detail for you and help answer any questions on this. Because uh, I know it can be kind of confusing as we're going through this on this video right here without any kind of interaction. But you're gonna purchase a property that you can pay cash for and that you've got the cash already set aside for, for what that estimated renovation cost is gonna be. Now, obviously, we're gonna go through the entire process of making sure we got an inspector, make sure roofs are good. We wanna make sure that if, if we're putting this money into the property, we've got the money to be able to do the renovation to get the after renovation value of the property. Now, we don't have any loans in this property at all right now. We're taking a property that more than likely the neighbors are hating the fact that they live near this, this home. You're gonna be beautifying the neighborhood, which the neighbor's gonna be happy about. You're also gonna be raising the value of the home, which will also help raise the value of the neighbors as well. So you're doing a lot of things for the neighborhood also within this rehab. You finish the rehab, you get it set up, and this is not a flip. We're not doing that. Um, this is a buy and hold strategy because that's how you build wealth with real estate is buy and hold. If you flip, you're paying all kinds of things like real estate commissions, closing costs, capital gains, all kinds of stuff that you're gonna be paying on the flip side of that if you flip the home on there. But by holding it, you're gonna you're gonna avoid doing that. So we've got our we got our set amount of cash, we purchased the house, and then we do the renovation on it. Next we're gonna find the renter to go in. The rent, and this is part of the numbers that you're going to do beforehand, is all going to be based on what the market is, is providing. You're not going to try to overprice it because then you're not going to get a rent turner. You're going to have vacancies, and that's going to be a loss of money. You're not going to price too low because you're also going to be looking at what your cash flow is coming out of that as well. So then you're going to rent it. During this time frame, we've got what's called a seasoning period that happens for most lenders. Most lenders, you're looking at a seasoning period of about four months before you can refi a property. Now, it sounds strange saying a refi because there's no loan on the property to begin with, but it's just a technical term for a property you already own and refinancing it. So technically you're financing it out of pocket right now. Next, what you're gonna look at doing is a refi with a lender. Now, if it's an investment property, once again, they're only gonna let you take out typically about 75% 
and that's what we're gonna shoot for, loan to value on the value of the property. Now, if you did your numbers correctly and you did your valuation, you utilize a realtor, utilize all the assets and, and things that you have available to look at this, you should know approximately what your value of your property is gonna be with after the renovation, doing the proper renovations. Now you're doing the refi, the appraiser's gonna come through, they're gonna appraise the property, and you're gonna be able to pull 75% out. Now I'm just I'm going to use simple numbers on this. You're not going to see uh, really any home out here for $100,000, but I just want to be able to drive this point home so that you can see what I'm talking about. So let's say um, let's say we're looking at a house that that's after renovation value would be $100,000. This place was completely run down. You found it. You're able to pick it up for about $50,000. You put $25,000 in repairs on this property got a renter in it, the renter's gonna be able to pay your mortgage on a 30-year note on this property at today's interest rates on that as well. You know that you're gonna have some kind of a cash flow coming out of that, and then you're gonna do your refi, you're gonna pull your 75% right back out, which is exactly the money you put into it. Even if it's not, as you kind of get into this and you get more experience, you might not be able to get everything you put back in, put into it back out, but you're gonna be able to get very close on that at the very least. If you can pull everything out, then everything you're gonna make on top of it is just gonna be icing on the cake um, as you continue to look at this investment style moving forward. What you've done is you just pulled all your capital back out and now you can go and you can find another property to do the same thing with. Now, if you've got a lender with a seasoning period of uh, four months on there, you're looking at three properties a year with that same chunk of change that you can continue to go into. That's three a year. Now let's rewind back to the traditional method really quick. The traditional method, you're saving your money, you're saving your money, you're saving money. More than likely, you might be able to do maybe two properties a year if you're putting down 20 to 25%. A lot of folks are only gonna be one, and that's them scrimping and scramping, just scraping everything up that they can within that process, and they're really cutting down their lifestyle, they're cutting down so many different means on that all the time. And they could use that additional cash flow that's coming out from that rent. If it is, I would definitely suggest having some set aside for emergency funds for like broken utilities, broken HVAC systems, any kind of things that are going on, plus vacancies that could happen in there as well, or evictions that have to go on, always having that set aside. But once you get that, then you can start snowballing that and probably start getting to where in, the, you know, in about 10 years, you might be getting three, four properties at a time. Now, if we look at that compared to the Burr method, it takes longer to get to the point where you can purchase a property. However, once you purchase, once you are at that point, you're then at least three properties a year at that same value. Plus, you're getting cash flow from the property that you just refied and you've got a renter in, so you're getting cash flow back from that also, and you let that snowball. You're already at the three a year starting from that first year you're able to start investing. And if it takes you two years to get to that point, then it takes you two years. So on the traditional method, if that person's buying one property a year and it takes them until they've been doing this for five years before they can move to two properties and then maybe three properties in year seven or year, probably year 10 at that point, you're looking at the number of properties they have. So if it takes them five years to get to that point, you're taking, they've got five properties in five years that the traditional method's doing. On the Burr side, it took them two years to get to that first property on there. At the end of the third year, they've got three. They're already even with the traditional because he's got three and three on that. On the fourth year of the Burr, they've got three more properties. Now they've got six. They've doubled it on there. The traditional method's got four properties on there. At the end of year five, the Burr, the Burr folks have nine properties. The traditional guy 
has five properties at the end of year five. They've already almost doubled what that, what that traditional one has. And it's going to continue to snowball and build off of that very rapidly. That's the way you build wealth within the real estate side. Now that's, that's a very simplistic way to look at stuff. And it obviously doesn't go into each person's individual uh, requirements or what they've got going on within their lifestyles and what their focus is and what their goals are as well. So just know that's in the perfect world scenario on that as well. But I just wanted to kind of introduce those two different things to you. Um, and if you're looking at getting into real estate investing, that's what kind of gets me excited is talking about and thinking about those different types of items on that. Now, I also want to caveat and go back because some of you might be talking about like, oh, well, James talked about the risk in the traditional. What about the risk in the burr? on there because he's still pulling loans out for it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Here's the thing on the burst side. So you're still going to have the exact same risk once you have the property. It's got a loan out on it. You've got a renter in there and you're getting cash flow back. More than likely, you'll probably be getting a little bit more cash flow back, but let's say you're not. Let's say you're breaking even, getting the exact same cash flow you would on the traditional method as you would on the burst side. What you do have is you've got a lot more capital in play with the cash that you're putting forth on each burr as it goes through, you've got tops. If you just bought a property, you've got four months until you get that money back out if you start having problems with a renter that's not able to pay on there or a COVID situation where they get a rent moratorium and they don't have to come in and pay rent on there as well. You've got four months until you've got enough cash to purchase the whole house out outright on there to be able to supplement and have those emergency funds set into place to give you that buffer for that risk that could potentially be there. So it's still risk, but it's a lot less risk and it's a smarter way to get your money to work for you also. So I hope you guys enjoyed this video as we kind of went through those two different methods and we'll continue on this investment uh, series so you guys can hopefully learn more and more and get more and more excited about this just like I am. If you've got any questions, comments, whatever you've got, please send them to me. You can call or text me at 719-266-2725. You can also email me at info at jdmret.net. I would love to be your local real estate agent. I'd love to be your local expert. So anything that doesn't have to be real estate related, please don't hesitate to ask. Let me know what those questions are and I will get them right back to you. I look forward to seeing you guys next time.